This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Bo Easy, Jeremy, Allie, Shining Donut 911, Nathan, Jennifer with a PH, Libby, Wes, Dreskel, Kaylee, Aaron, Danielle, the number Jeff, Amy, Tia, Dave, Jonathan, Scott, Kate, Isaac and Karoon and all the patrons want you to know you're loved you're listened to and you're a valuable member of this awesome horror virgin community and if you want to hang out with us do so in the Facebook group or discord servers where we hang out daily this is the first 80s horror film where like in the first 15 seconds of the movie I was like oh no is this one of those like super racist 80s horror film (laughs) and you would have been right I'm not sure if it was the first one, but it certainly is one. It was the quickest one to lay the cards out on the table is what oh, I'm yeah. saying. Where I was like, opening scene. Oh, no. Racism. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin, Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, you all made me watch... Poltergeist 2. The other side? The other side, yeah. yes. Ooh, for them freaks. For them freaks. Mm. (laughs) I do want to apologize that my voice still sounds like I swallowed a blender, but it is a little bit better than when we recorded Romance of the Podcast two nights ago. And again, I still think this is better than your regular voice. I don't know why you think that, Mikey. (laughs) Don't try to do your old voice. This is your new voice. You're just like, hello, my name is Todd. I have a normal voice because I swallowed a razor. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid Halloween candy. I I also would like... I'd like to apologize. I woke up seconds ago and I'm about to drink this energy drink that tastes like melted Slurpee. And we'll oh see where God. this journey Paige. takes us. Yes, Slurpee friends. I literally just finished the exact same flavor. Oh, look, guys, I also have a caffeine drink. It's a cup of coffee. Yeah, Mikey, stop trying to be cool like us. Quit being a boring grown up. Yeah. I go to fancy art openings and I drink liquid Slurpees. Come at me, hoes. I get stranded in Providence, Rhode Island. And oh, excuse me. I was corrected. I was actually stranded in Warwick. Uh, and mm. then I had to come home and I, I lost my voice. I, I also got to go to Monster Palooza, which was pretty fucking dope. That sounded super cool. Yeah, it yeah. looked cool. Yeah. Uh, Tom Savini was also there. I didn't get a chance to send you guys a picture. Did he, you meet he, Billy Zane, though? Did you meet Billy Zane? No, because I could not figure out how the meet celebrity stuff worked. So I'm going back today because nice. I have three day passes. So I'm going to see who I could see today. Secure us some guest spots. That's not how this works. You're like, we hi, just... my name's Paige. I've been standing in line for 30 minutes and I really want you to be on my podcast. Let's <laughs> see how fast he runs away. Give me luck. I don't know. I feel like Billy Zane might say yes to that. I honestly, okay. maybe. Out of any celebrity who could come in as like a full time like co-host, I think Billy Zane would be like. But honestly, he'd have to kill you, Mikey. That's how it works. He'd have to murder you. Uh, and I'm going to hand him the sponge. Uh, so like, <laughs> I, I will say I watched him from a distance like a total creep. There's a whole section of like a celebrity wing where like Nev Campbell and like uh, Matthew Lillard and, and stuff were there. There was like a whole bunch of people. And then they have other people spread out other places. I was like, do you not think these other people are celebrities? Because for me, Billy Zane and Nev Campbell are equal amounts of famous. So Same. I thought it was really funny that they separated them. Uh, but whatever. Billy Zane was in fucking Titanic and Nev Campbell has barely worked since the 90s. I would rather meet Billy Zane than Nev Campbell. Uh, it was not a Titanic convention page. I know. But like. My thing is like his poster had like so many things on it that you could like meet Billy Zane for. And I was like, anyway, 
but he I did creepily watch him from like a doorway and he seemed super cool to everyone who came up and was just like yeah and like talking and hanging out so I might try my luck today I'm definitely gonna see if I can say hi to Tom Savini today because he just like I got surprised and like looked at the booth next to me and was like oh my god super famous person if you talk to Billy Zane, tell him I really loved The Phantom as a kid. I really did. No irony in it at all. Hey, a guy that's not here that you don't know loved The Phantom as a kid. Just, <laughs> just to let you know. Do, do, and then, and then followed up with, "Do you want to be on a podcast with him?" He does have his agent and, and manager and stuff there with him, so I don't think that's like yeah, throw the author. We'll pay him. The offer just slide across the table, five dollars an episode. Oh, good fucking luck, dude. Okay, just slide on my news then. Send him a picture. Of my feet page <laughs> oh no we, we want to be nice to billy zane he'll do it as like a make a wish thing for my feet <laughs> clearly this person is very ill we're gonna go next year and like rent a booth and i'm gonna i'm gonna be like um what are those people called out in the the carnivals where like they like they get people to come in a barker oh a barker a yeah barker i want a barker be like see the world's weirdest feet <laughs> we're here at Montepalooza with monster feet <laughs> I mean, that, that, <laughs> even God has abandoned him. <laughs> even God has uh, abandoned those toes. We should 100% <laughs> talk about this movie, though. So, had you guys seen Poltergeist 2 before? No. Neither had I. I swear I have, but I haven't. I, no, I, I have. I have. I have seen Smiley Old Guy before. Oh, he's terrifying. That's the only thing I remember about this episode because I watched this as like a smaller person. Mikey, I believe it's called A Child. You saw it as a child. It's <laughs> a smile That's person. True. I was a child and yeah. that smiley man scared me. And then when I watched the movie, yeah. as soon as he like becomes everything else, I was like, this is not scary. Like he should just be himself and this movie would be much scarier. Uh, yeah, because he's fucking terrifying. At, watching as an adult. Okay, I'll just give my first thought. That's what we're doing. Yeah, that's the, the part of the podcast that we're <laughs> <Yeah>. at. <laughs> Whatever. It's like my first time. And like, I don't think I liked it. I don't like it because of this. It like retcons the first one. Yes. And I hated that. And like gives all the females in the family line like psychic powers or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I liked that part. Don't worry about that. Oh, sorry. My bad. Okay. I did like that. They're like, underneath your house was a graveyard. But underneath that graveyard was another graveyard. And that's who's haunting you. Yeah. <laughs> that's so crazy to me. It's a double graveyard. But the second graveyard's full of cult followers. I mean, I do think that's a scarier backstory to explain why the like graves are there. But it means that like they found a graveyard in the first one where they they didn't move the bodies they only moved the stones right like like they found that but then they're like oh also this other thing like was it not the graveyard to begin with? well and then in the first one it, you know you empathize with the dead about like what they did get dicked over by that real estate developer and it made for a scarier movie of like your house could be on some graveyard where they just moved the stones but it's much likely that your house is on top of a graveyard where they moved the stones on top of a cave where a cult got murdered, got murdered. by indigenous <laughs> peoples no that's not even what happened i thought he said they got massacred no that's the lie that they told but what actually happened because she oh wow they, they there was no massacre what happened was they locked themselves in the cave and died of starvation over time yes that's what we learned in the movie the cult leader i don't know i think his name is kane but i called him warren jeffs because he has real warren jeff vibes to me he does have real warren jeffs energy no bro he's raising canes chicken no 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 don't ruin raising canes for me he's I'll raising canes. Dare you. he is literally raising canes he's killing canes 
Do you think that's how they make cane sauce? Because it's so fucking delicious. Underneath this chicken restaurant is a graveyard. <laughs> it's a graveyard. <laughs> but underneath that graveyard is Raising Cane's. <laughs> oh, God. I feel like after discussing the multiple graveyards, I should burn a fun fact. Oh, please. Actually, I preferred my fun facts deep fried like Raising Cane's sweet ass chicken. <laughs> and dipped in cane sauce. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Raising Cane's, a restaurant started by We Think Warren Jeffs. Or a dog. It seems like it was started by a dog. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of the posters around the restaurant are like, we're named after this dog. And I'm like, who's that dog? I don't know. And then I was like, is that dog Kane? And they're like, it's Raisin Kane. I was like, that makes no sense. Anyway, <laughs> uh, to burn a fun fact that we will further discuss in fun facts, uh, this movie... Uh, this franchise, I should say, is uh, considered to be cursed. Did you guys talk about this when you did the first Poltergeist? Man, that was four years ago or whatever, so I have no idea. I have not listened okay. to it since 2018. I would assume so. We'll talk about it extensively in, in Fun Facts. Many bad things have happened to people around this franchise. Yeah. Now, this is the second film, right? It is. Uh, the first film dealt with building houses on top of of a graveyard where you you only move the stones but for this movie they found an interesting way to cut costs and they found out halfway through production that they were using real skeletons yeah in the movie yeah as props so like real dead people so it's almost as if they built this movie on the graveyard but didn't only move the stones even after that's the plot of the first movie uh so they got so freaked out that they did something weird about it and i'll talk about what they did about it in fun facts but i just thought you should know that they used real corpses in this movie and and then halfway through bad stuff was happening and they're just like do you think it's the corpses they were like but underneath those props were even more haunted more, props more haunted props <laughs> underneath those corpses was like a real spooky craft services <laughs> now i want to watch poltergeist 3 where it's like look we rebuilt your house and underneath your house was a graveyard and underneath that graveyard was a cult that was locked in a cave and they ended up eating each other and dying very slowly but underneath and that and underneath that hole was a bed and a dick sorry just like the wicker man no i don't reference that movie anymore. <laughs> well, that's your loss. You could have so much more barley and corn in your life, and you choose sadness. Yeah, but like, they, but like, they'd be like, underneath the cult was Knights Templars, and they're mad now. <laughs> <laughs> and then below that was the treasure of Oak Island. <laughs> like, <laughs> this house is the worst. We've been digging. We keep finding platforms and wood and wood that doesn't belong on this island, and more wood and more mud and more mud and a coin. And you're like, wow, okay. Do neither of you watch The Curse of Oak Island? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> I've read about it. I do not watch the show about it. <laughs> I got sucked in like six seasons ago. And now I'm just like, you ain't fine shit. There's nothing in that hole. Which is why I spent most of yesterday watching Jean-Claude Van Damme movies instead. And you chose correctly. Like that is how I you should spend did. your day. Yeah. <laughs> and like a mini JCVD uh, marathon at my house. It was crazy. Did you like Street Fighter? It's madness. Street Fighter is madness. I had not seen it since childhood. It makes even less sense than I remember. You're really missing one of my favorite of his films in his repertoire. Time Cop. 
Oh, Time Cop was not on because I was watching. We have like a Samsung TV and one of the apps has like channels that are like themed channels. And one of them is literally just like a JCVD channel. So it was like Bloodsport, Double Impact, Kickboxer. And then I was like, I think we need to watch Street Fighter. (laughs) Uh, But I have not seen Time Cop, actually. What? I haven't either, Paige. Guys, it arguably his best film and maybe (laughs) the best time travel movie ever made (laughs) (laughs) i mean here's the thing it's competing with blood sport which i think is bad great to a level that most movies can only aspire so think about this page sure john claude van is a cop okay and then they get notified when someone goes back in time and changes things and commits a crime so he's got to go back and stop the guy from committing the crime back in time so he like the the opener is him going back to confederate america to stop a man <laughs> Sorry, from stealing confederate gold to bring back to the present oh man i have to watch That's... this immediately and that man who goes back in time has mp4s and shoots a bunch of confederates i love everything about I'm that sorry. specifically That's and so that's good. the opener of time cop is this man <laughs> machine gunning the confederate army down and then stealing confederate gold to take to the future when did movies lose their balls man like oh, that when is when cocaine started having sentinel in it that's why um because i realized watching a bunch of, of jcvd films yesterday that like it always has a bonker story that like the story is sound from a story structure perspective but makes no sense uh and there's always him kicking someone in the face love it uh and at some point he also has to fight blind don't know why always happens um but this sounds amazing double impact you've seen double impact right yeah okay double impact as i was telling todd is where he plays twins and one's like a bad twin and one's a good twin. that movie's on a different level it's so amazingly crazy i like that's why i watched it twice movies will never be as good as the 80s and 90s like yeah they they just won't be as good they just won't be as creative because of you know i mean like no kidding that that is why I watched it twice because the first time I was like, oh, I've never seen this one. And I just sat through it like, what the fuck is happening? And then when it was on again, I was like, I need to experience this again. Well, <laughs> picture this page. It's the stock market crash. Okay. It's Black Tuesday, 1938. 29. 29. You don't know when the fucking depression started? <laughs> 38. Like, World War II's kind of already underway at that point. I mean, we haven't entered it, but Hitler is certainly being a bad dude, yeah. So, Jean-Claude Van Damme appears in a penthouse office, and this guy's like, I knew you'd find me. It's a time cock gone dirty, and he's going to arrest him for insider trading. Because he buys all this stock that's crashed to put in his name to appear 200 years in the future. You gotta buy the dip, Mikey. That's what I learned. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Who plays the rogue time cop? Oh, uh, I think it's, I could be completely wrong. It may be Jeremy Piven. There's no, no that's, way it's there's Jeremy that, You're Piven. absolutely wrong. <laughs> it, it, lo- it looks like him. My mind My memory God. makes it look like him. So then he jumps out of the building to die by suicide. Jean-Claude dives after him, catches him <laughs> midair, and transports him back to the future to stand for his crimes of insider trading. Oh, his hair looks bonkers in this movie. Anyway, so it was my first time seeing Poltergeist 2. Oh, that's what we were talking about. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was appalled by the amount of indigenous racism yeah. in this film. 
because here's the thing. Sometimes you watch movies and there's a level of racism that by today's standards is real upsetting. And you have to kind of be like, this is upsetting. We need to acknowledge it so we don't do it again. But it was the 60s and people were kind of just generally terrible. And maybe, you know, society at large was kind of terrible. This movie came out in the fucking 90s, or I guess it was the 80s. Yeah, it was 86. Like, a time when people absolutely should have known better. Like, fully, like, you could argue we always should have known better, and I would agree with you. But absolutely in the 80s, we should have known better by then. Oh, I don't know. I feel like the 80s is the most problematic time for movies. It is one of the most racist times for movies. I was thinking, as I was watching this movie, I found myself thinking about 16 Candles. Yes. uh, Which is around the same time. Also 80s, super racist, potential rape in the movie. Potential. It's bad either way. It's bad all around. Yeah. But... In this movie, I was just like, holy hell. Like, how were people not picketing this movie at the time? Because it was the 80s and society at large was terrible. Like, this is like during Satanic Panic and like, this is like a bad time to be an American. You're pretending that society is better today, which is not. not. We have a constant, which is human beings in general suck are bad yeah and the more cocaine you add to them though the better movies they make but also the worst movies they make like it's it's a catch-22 sometimes you get time cops sometimes you get this because this movie is also just bad yep no this movie's bad that's what makes me the most the racism is there too it's an equal level you but you were about (laughs) to say that the worst thing that they did in this movie was make it poorly not the racism and that's funny to me i like that you corrected yourself (laughs) those words were coming out and i was like that's not what i mean to say and i hear this coming out the wrong way and i stopped myself it's called growth hashtag growth brooks mikey but this movie is i think exceptionally terrible yeah but both from a racism and a like just production standpoint like it just makes no goddamn sense and like part of it is the racism this movie is rife with stereotypes about indigenous people yeah and within those stereotypes they use them to create a bad movie because every time they're like taylor what's going on he's like some cryptic thing that makes no sense and they're like ah and i'm like what are you what nobody has explained anything in this movie like what's happening they could have just brought the lady back to do everything taylor did and had been like a little less racist yes i don't know i feel like having taylor there um and then the way that they're like really leaning hard on the native american stuff like so hard is really bad really racist but even if they had the lady there, I forget her name in the movie, like Tangerine or some shit, the whatever her name is. That's what we're going to be calling her today. <laughs> oh, it's, it's Tagina. It's, t- it's Tangerine. No, it's, it's no tangerine. she's Tangerine. <laughs> but I mean, even if they had Tangerine there and still did all the Native American racist shit, it would still be super racist. No, take the racist stuff out. Have her just do other weird psychic stuff from like the first one. Sure. Well, burned fun fact. Okay. This oh, The first cut of this movie, the original cut, was 131 minutes long. That's a, Jesus. That's, yeah, that's 40 minutes longer than this movie because I guess there was a huge section 
with Tangerine that got cut. <laughs> and the actress who played Tangerine, who was also in 16 Candles, which is what was making me think about it. Uh, Tangerine was very upset uh, that her footage was plucked from the tree of this movie. Okay, how bad were those scenes that they got cut from this movie? No, I could tell you what it was. It was... Let's focus on the indigenous peoples. Yes. Take Tangerine out. I can guarantee you they're like, this is the most inclusive movie we've ever done. Oh, I do feel like this is like an 80s version of what they thought was inclusive because they're like appropriating other people's beliefs and stuff and using it like a comical thing. Oh, it's terrible. My my theory is that the story was a hot ass mess. Yeah. And super racist. But it's the 80s and cocaine. I think that they tried to streamline the story and that's why she gets cut like i'm sure her scenes make sense but they were just like how do we get from a to b as fast as possible because this movie's only 91 minutes long like yeah that's why i was like 40 minutes and it's still paced (laughs) bad like that's what's crazy is that like it's still paced awful and it's still only 90 minutes long but one of the other things that also gets cut is like the battle with Kane at the end which is only like two minutes long and makes no sense either so like I think this was like the studio coked out of their minds trying to save a turd of a movie and also like the movie got less scary as we went which I thought was an interesting editorial choice. The whole thing didn't make sense to me. I laughed out loud when they were fighting the vomit monster and then Craig T. Nelson like, blows out smoke and that smoke grabs the vomit monster and sucks it through a port. I was like, what? Where did that come from? Like, what? What? Why why did Taylor put that smoke monster inside Craig T. Nelson first off? For See? and how did he know to use it to clear up the monster in the house? Well, that's because as this movie tells us, indigenous people are more like seahorses where they blow their monsters <laughs> into a person to gestate and then when the ghosts appear, they can blow them out. It's so crazy. The movie's terrible. I think they think they're explaining it whenever they cut to Taylor and they're like and Taylor's like you know, I had to stop drinking because I had bad dreams and you need to be responsible for everything in your life. And they think that that explains things. And you're just like, what? And I, I do love that Craig T. Nelson goes, what do I need to be responsible for? And he was like, I literally just fucking said everything. Like everything in your life, you idiot. Like, I, I don't know. That made me laugh. Although that's not the way Taylor responds to him. No. I think another level of terrible is how amazing the first one is. Like quality yeah, wise, hold up, plot scariness allegedly the first one is steven spielberg yes he's super involved but then like man the quality drop is just jarring it is wild uh unrelated to the quality and racism of this movie uh i did also find it alarming that seemingly every adult in this film has a drinking problem it was the 80s (laughs) drinking problems didn't exist yeah it is the 80s they should have had cocaine problems my friend (laughs) cocaine was like if you were like a real partier like drinking heavily was just like it was like your tea in the afternoon, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because midday they portray the mom drinking straight Jack Daniels, and she's half a bottle in already. Yeah. And then Craig T. Nelson goes through conservatively three bottles of tequila through this movie. Oh, you mean tequila? Tequila. <laughs> I hated this movie so much. I Here's the thing. I greatly dislike it because of the racism. I think we're going to have a real fun time talking about it today because oh, yeah. it's fucking nuts. Yeah, yeah it's going to be a nice change of pace in the last couple episodes. It is. Honestly, yeah. when I was watching this, I was like, oh, this 
this isn't scary and it's not like harping on my specific emotional trauma so like this is gonna be a very easy movie to sit through and I still almost fell asleep because it was boring I paused it at one point to review somebody's jokes for roast battle this weekend yeah and then watched a couple YouTube videos and then came back to it yeah I watched 30 minutes of it last night before I was like I'm gonna watch this before I go to bed so I can sleep in and start recording and I got like 20 minutes in I was like no I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is just, this is impossible. And then I woke up this morning, still bored off my ass. I was yeah. just like, oh. Well, maybe we should talk about it so we can go through it scene by scene. Let's. So we open on racism, racism, <laughs> but also a car overhead shot of a car traveling. There's so many things of this movie that it's almost like they were just like, you know, it'd be great. The Shining, and then they just try to do Shining things in a less cool way. I thought about that too, but it is so less cool. Like, it really is just like a static shot of a blue truck driving through a canyon, which I think is Taylor's truck, right? It is Taylor's truck. And then as he drives by that, I don't know what you call it, but like the skyscraper rock that they're yeah, on like top the of. Yeah, like the painted gorges, which... He's on top of that in jeans and cowboy boots, and I'm like, that would have been a hell of a climb in jeans. Oh, it's impossible. I, when the, it's impossible. I literally laughed when I saw him up there because he has like a button down shirt, cowboy yeah. boots, and jeans yes. on, and the shirt still tucked in. Like, there's no way you could climb. But then I realized that he just teleported up there like the other guy does. No, yeah. my head cannon was that there was like a rope ridge. Oh, like from one of the other cliffs, <laughs> like that's more connected. I mean, that would make sense. I don't know. Like, it's the only only way to make sense because he's, he's like Tom cruising it up like Mission Impossible style. <laughs> now I'm just picturing it. They're like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> like, like Taylor's holding onto the side of a plane and like it takes him up there. Yeah. But it, I mean, that makes more sense than, uh, you know, first world peoples can just teleport whenever they want. Yeah. That I guy mean, was actually a ghost. He was dead. I mean, that makes as much sense as he could teleport. Like, I don't know. I'm If you told me Taylor has been dead the whole time, <laughs> I'd be like, of course he has. Look, this movie is about a young man named Taylor okay. who wanted a new car. <laughs> Get out of my brain, Mikey! Because at the end of this movie, I was like, that was a long way to go for a new car. <laughs> You guys say new, but that car is fucked at the end of this movie. <laughs> There's a chainsaw sticking out of it. It's so Taylor, crazy. Taylor wanted that station wagon. No holds barred. Brother. There are much easier way to get catalytic converters. That's all I'm saying. You don't have to like <laughs> yeah. you don't have to like ghost light a family into believing they're being haunted again. Taylor. Oh my goodness. Anyway, so we cut to, to the top of an impossible mountain, uh, where Taylor is sitting near a fire and uh, an older Native American man teleports up there with the fire. Or he's a ghost and just appears. I mean, I, I prefer yeah. that reading mm -hmm. of it. Thank you, Mikey, for giving that to us. Yeah, who knows? I feel like that's less racist. I don't I don't know. No, it's all it's still racist. It's all terrible. All of it's still racist. Yeah. They begin chanting uh, around the fire at the top of the cliff mountain uh anyway and the the flame turns blue and it seems like spirits kind of like from the first movie arise from the fire yeah. and go into taylor we never address this again okay so i thought this was interesting because i thought when we see taylor do that same thing to craig t nelson later i thought that oh wait no he does spit that ghost into craig t nelson I think it's called snowballing a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, I literally thought the same thing. I was like, oh, oh, gross. Gross. I don't want it back. Like, if I'm giving it to you, I don't want it back. I don't care what you do with it, but I don't want it. During this fire scene, he he gets the spear that comes back at the very end 
We don't know the significance of it. It just shows up. I think you mean the Lance page. They call it a it's Lance. It's called a Lance. Yeah. Hello. But the older man disappears and Taylor just stands and raises his hands to the sky. There's a very expensive helicopter shot to, you know, see it. And we cut to basically the car from the first movie with kind of, or I guess it's his car. It's him driving through Cuesta Verde. It's Taylor driving, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I knew that that blue truck was his. Yeah. And they are driving through what it looks like the like entrance to Silent Hill. Because it's like yeah. foggy and like all the houses are like, they have for sale signs and they're like shitty now. Like it's clearly run down because one of the houses was swallowed by the spirit realm at the end of the first movie. Right. right Neighborhoods right. just don't recover from that kind of thing. Yeah, they don't. They call it spiritification. Oh, oh. But underneath that cult Was the spear of destiny that killed Christ And that's what it all brought it together <laughs> and You needed that to kill the cult And then the cult had to kill The graves above it And the graves who above it had the to spider who yes, swallowed exactly, the, 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 the fly yeah. And then the grandmother This grandmother is clean Anyway so he drives over to The vacant lot where the pool was going to be From the yeah. first movie And Tangerine is there <laughs> <laughs> this pool is clean. <laughs> <laughs> Tangerine is like, no diving. Holy shit, we should make a business that's like Poolter Guys and then like say that Holy after you're shit. done with every visit. Mikey, you cannot just say Poolter Guys and not give me a second to process that. Like, that is <laughs> hilarious. And yes, I am starting that business. This pool is clean. That's the yes, tagline. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. How do we not have Poolter Guys? You should not get in the pool if you have active diarrhea for the last week or are haunted. Because what is diarrhea except a haunting of the butt? These are all facts. (laughs) All facts? Yeah, man, I went to Chipotle and my butt got haunted. I mean, this sounds terrible, but I regularly perform seances at Chipotle and... Light a candle, Paige. (laughs) Hey, you know what? A butt seance a week keeps me on my toes. How much force are you pushing out that knocks you up on your toes? (laughs) Hey, I'm strong. I believe it, Paige. Oh, man. Anyway... They climbed down into a hole underneath where the pool was dug. So there's like like a poltergeist hole Hell and yeah. then like a tunnel. And they climbed down there and Tangerine is like, there's something terrible down there. Too much power. And it looks like a catacomb, but nobody was buried. There's like a pile of skeletons, but they're not they're not buried skeletons. It looks like they are they have died in place. Yeah. Which would imply that they were alive under the ground at some point. And Taylor is like, I've seen this in my dreams. Where's the family now? So we cut to the family from the first film in a house that is allegedly not haunted. And they're having kind of like lunch outside where Carol Ann is eating the most insane sandwich <laughs> I've ever seen in my entire life. Well, and so is their dog because their dog is just actively <laughs> eating the son's sandwich. And I honestly loved it. I finally found a dog worse than my dog in a movie. <laughs> With the weirdest name, E-Buzz? E-Buzz, yeah. What is that? What? I turned on the subtitles because I wanted to see it, and it was E-period buzz. Period like buzz, it was like yeah. Ebenezer Buzz, but they call him E-Buzz for short. And I was like, I guess. this is an insane name for a pup. 
It's, it's a crazy name for a dog, but it was even crazier to me that the dog just fully bullies the son and eats his whole sandwich. And they're just like, yeah. oh, E-Buzz. And the son's like, I'm hungry. And they're like, shut up. The dog is eating. Like, they, <laughs> No one defends that child against the dog. It's crazy. I do love that Craig T. Nelson's like, I just have to tell the dog to get down. And he goes, get down. And the mom is like, oh, yeah, it really listens to you. <laughs> <laughs> Carol Ann just has a slice of bread with conservatively two inches of peanut butter on top of it yeah, that yeah. she has then pressed M&Ms into. <laughs> and that's her lunch for the day. And they're like, it's going to rot your teeth. And she's like, I'm fine. And they're like, if you say so. Yeah, I mean, you're going <laughs> like, to lose those baby teeth anyway. May as well sugar them up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But what we also see is her grandmother asks her for yarn from a basket of yarn and she manages to pull it without looking at which one and gets it right. Yeah, two times. She does it twice. So it's not like right. just a, oh, that was a coincidence or whatever. And right. when she when the grandmother references this later, she says that she can see color with her hands, which I thought was a bonkers way of saying she's clairvoyant. Like you could just say she's clairvoyant. Yeah, I'm mean, like, that's just synesthesia. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I was like, I don't think she can see colors with her hands. I think she just knows the sky is blue. Out. Stop. Put your hands down, Mikey. Put your hands down. I was like, <laughs> what is she? That monster from that movie we did where he had her eyes. Pan's and hands? Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. They're both doing the Pan's Labyrinth <laughs> hands over their eyes thing. I'm glad you could all hear that. Yeah. Uh. yeah. <laughs> just put your hands on the speakers and you'll be able to see it because you can see with the it's dumb. It's very dumb. The only color my hands could see in this movie was the off color remarks about indigenous people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mikey. It's so racist. And it's almost every scene. Like if there yeah. was a Bechdel test type test to like determine if a movie is racist like every scene in this like fails that test there has to be good because i refer to uh, a similar idea with i call it the pretzel test <laughs> but it's a test as to if you have a character of size can they talk to another character about something that is not being lonely or eating okay it's the pretzel test the bechdel test is obviously two female characters talking to each other both having names about something that's not a man. I think we could come up with a fun name for an interaction with a a person of color or um, a minority group. BIPOC. Yeah. That is not stereotyped and is not directly related to like that allows them to exist as a person in a story and not a stereotype. If you think of a, a pun name that we could popularize on the internets, let me know. Or if there already is one, which would not surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me either. And there should be one if there isn't. Yeah. Anyway, so we cut to later that night. Carol Ann is drawing terrifying pictures at the table. And her grandmother's like, you're a great artist. Do you want to draw when you grow <laughs> up? And I'm like, that is not what you should be inferring from those photos. No. You should be looking at these drawings and being like, it's happening again. Yeah. Like, I don't even have to. Like, it hasn't happened yet, maybe. But, like, clearly something is wrong.com. Yeah. Well, it could be the trauma from the first film. Kids like to draw all that stuff out. That's Th true. That is true. I, I do think that's why both of her parents have a drinking problems. 
A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Also, if my braces came out to attack me, which I think is the scariest scene, I would also have a drinking problem. I'm sorry. If you were a 10 year old boy and your braces came out to attack you, you would then start drinking immediately. I think you mean 10 year old man in 1986. (laughs) 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 I do love that Craig T. Nelson in this movie is a door to door vacuum cleaner salesman, but we never see him leave his house. We don't. We do see him give a a bonker speech about it that makes no sense in like five minutes. Yeah, it is unhinged. Was that his job in the first one? I don't think so. I don't remember. But also they had an older daughter in the first one who's just not in this movie. Todd, uh, we'll talk about it in Oh, shit. No, I remember this from the first episode. (laughs) She got killed, didn't she? She was unable to be in the second. Now, granted, uh, there was supposed to be a scene where they talked about that her character was off at college uh, okay. to explain it away. Was it one of the Tangerine lost scenes? It, supposedly it was never filmed. <laughs> Release the Tangerine cut. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I want to yeah, see yeah. that Tangerine cut. I like to picture that the Tangerine cut, everyone delivers their lines with orange slices in their mouth. There's <laughs> <laughs> <was> like <laughs> I'm gonna make the ghost an offer they can't refuse. Um <laughs> That's what I'm picturing. I love it. So the grandma sees the pictures and are like, what you drawing? And it's like a terrifying man in a hat. Like, I don't what. (laughs) What do you mean? What is she drawing? But she then has essentially the conversation of like, do you see things that other people don't? Some people just shine. And I'm like, this is the weirdest casting of Halloran that I have ever seen. (laughs) I miss Scatman Carruthers. Yeah. (laughs) Like, this is. Weird, because it is essentially the Shining conversation. Yeah. It, that's what it is. Yeah, except done worse and years after The Shining came out. <laughs> yeah, done worse and crazier. Yeah. So we, we briefly cut to Cuesta Verde because we see like a flashback of what happened to their house. But then immediately we're back in the upstairs bedroom where Craig T. Nelson and Diane, the mom, yeah. are talking about how the insurance company is like, technically your house is just missing, not gone. I did love that because that was so realistic to me. Like insurance companies will do anything they can to not pay to for To not pay anything. you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but this is where he gives an unhinged speech about being a vacuum cleaner salesman. Yeah, I couldn't tell because he does say he loves being a vacuum cleaner salesman during this like unhinged speech, but I could not tell if he was like, joking and he now hates his new professional life or if he actually does love it and has just done a little bit too much coke like I could not tell what the issue was in this scene see here's the thing about being a vacuum cleaner salesman I thought you were going to say here's the thing about doing a little bit too much coke I mean to be honest little column A little column B Yeah. but here's the problem with being a vacuum cleaner salesman it sucks ah <laughs> Page is up, taking a victory lap, just like... <laughs> anyway, he gives this insane speech, and then she's like, well, back in the day, you and Cookie somebody... Like, it literally is them trying to be like, the parents are, like, connecting after... And it's just weird. And still very much in love or whatever, which, I mean, I have no problem when movies do that. The problem I have with the way this movie does it is Craig T. Nelson just talks about his ex-girlfriend and then, like... And her titties. Yeah, and then, like, his wife is, like, into it. Not into that, but, like, is still, it's like... It's weird. so awkward. And then he finishes it off with one of my favorite Beatles songs, and I was like, no, not like this. <laughs> like, I don't like it. That actually 
actually checks out. I could, I, I, I sort of see people who like the Beatles as people who would do this sort of thing. So that makes sense. No, to me. this is just you and your anti-Beatles bias. The Beatles are fine. I just don't understand why people like are still up their butt. Like, come on, man. Well, have you tried being up their butt? It's cozy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're great, but there have been a lot better bands to come since. Yeah, like Third Eye Blind. No. Honestly, I'd rather hear Semi Charm Kind of Life than Hey Jude or What the Fuck Ever. So, like, yeah, that's fine. Next up is our new our new song, Hey Jude or What the Fuck Ever. <laughs> hey Jude or What the hey Fuck Ever. Hey Jude or, or What, what the, the Fuck, fuck Ever. ever. <laughs> On this mattress, we're doing crystal. Um, I do like Semi Charm Kind of Life. It's a, it's a very... Uh, good song so is I'll Never Let You Go but I mean honestly Third Eye Blind's first album was Chef's Kiss amazing it's pretty great Uh, but I also feel like you can't discount the pure volume of the Beatles catalog some of it better than others you don't have to like all of it there are definitely other bands that are fun but I feel like as far as quantity you got to give them at least quantity. And they inspired a lot of people that I went on to like very much. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were only together eight years. Like the amount of music they put out in eight years is very impressive. I think the same thing about the police. Like I love the police. I do love the police. Like Sting and all those guys. Like they put out an amazing amount of music that is great. And like I think they were together four years or something like really short amount of time. Um, So like, yeah, I get it. I just think that people who say the Beatles are, are the best band still of all time, I'm like, I don't understand that at all. I don't think there's any one best band of all time. Yeah, I do have trouble with like, quote unquote, the best. Like, yeah. that's hard for me to like wrap my head around. I don't know why anyone has to be the best. It doesn't. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Aside from like, clearly Time Cop is the best movie yeah. of all time. <laughs> I haven't even seen it yet, but I can tell you. First off, Time Cop is the Casablanca of movies. But Casablanca is not the Casablanca of movies. I did, I did that on purpose to get Paige to choke on her drink. And she did. Yeah. Here's looking at you, Max. <laughs> Here's looking at you, offender of time. You must come with me. <laughs> Play it again, Sam. In the future. You got to do it like JCVD, who is always playing an American with a French accent. Um, <laughs> you do not belong in the times back here. In Confederate gold. <laughs> I thought JCVD, or as I call him, Sean Claude Van Damme. <laughs> You've called him Sean Claude so many times. I still do. Like, and it's not like a bit I'm continuing. It is something my brain w- cannot process. Like, I don't know why I cannot call him Jean Claude. It's always been Sean Claude, <laughs> and I do not know why. I will acknowledge that I'm wrong, but I will refuse to fix it. But I think he's from Belgium, isn't he? Yeah, he, he's I, the muscles from Brussels. From Brussels. The muscles from is. Brussels. That's what it is. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew it was one of those European B words. Like baguette. <laughs> baguette. <laughs> anyway, so Craig T. Nelson and Diane kind of are like dancing, kind of making out, singing Beatles songs to each other. And Carol Ann interrupts them just with like, I'm going to be a ballerina. And they're like, not tonight, bitch. Like, go to bed. Like, <laughs> he does pick her up and dance her down the hallway, which I thought was like a really sweet sort of like father daughter mm-hmm. moment. But it comes on the heels of this unhinged like story about selling vacuums and how he loves his life, but he misses his ex-girlfriend and her huge titties. And then it's him so and his wife strange. dancing. It's so bonkers. Like this whole scene, I was like, what the fuck is happening? I actually have no notes about this part of the film. <laughs> uh, Mikey's like, I don't know, man. All my ex-girlfriends loved it when I talked about my other ex-girlfriend's titties and then broke up with me a few days later. Right. Uh, we cut to the next day where they're shopping and they're at like a, a pet store that has 
kittens outside in like a cage. And Carol Ann is just like, the kittens say they want to come home with us. And I was like, I see what you're doing, Carol Ann. Same. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't her being clairvoyant. That was just her wanting a pet. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is just me every time I pass kittens with my husband where I'm like, they told me clairvoyantly that they want to come home with us. And he's like, no. Paige, would it surprise you to learn that that is how I ended up with five cats? It is not. It would not <laughs> surprise me. And I feel like if you could time cop your way back to questioning those moments, <laughs> you might not have that many pets. We actually have not gotten any new pets, but Natalie had five cats when we started dating. So I ended up with five cats, but I love them all. They're great. Wow, a single woman with five cats? Unbelievable. (laughs) I do understand that joke, but I feel like if I laugh at it, I'll get in trouble. So I'm just going to sit here in silence and chuckle silently to myself. In her defense, all of those cats clairvoyantly told her that it wasn't her, it was the other guy, and they just didn't know how awesome she was. So one of my favorite (laughs) bits I've ever made up is Minority Report Misdemeanor Crimes. <laughs> so I would have like Were you about to litter? We got a red ball. <laughs> like Tom Cruise just appears in Natalie's house and was like, You're thinking about two more cats. That's animal hoarding. Come with us. <laughs> I do sort of love that. Like, Minority report misdemeanor crimes is hilarious to me. Mikey, sometimes the bits you have in your own head that you just share with us randomly, <laughs> like the one we had to cut out of an episode oh, and can't talk well, about, those lost 14 are minutes. so fucking funny. That's oh not my, my type five. Minority, <laughs> to be honest, you, you, you could, could make, do that, Mikey. The, the thing that we cut those 14 minutes out, you could probably do as a type five, and it would probably crush. I would just get up there and be like, my name is Michael. I'd like to talk about a timely film, Minority Report. <laughs> People would let you do it. Now, what would be even better is if you made slides about it and those slides were bonkers and unhinged. <laughs> and at the end, it just said Finn. <laughs> Finn. <laughs> so Natalie just texted me, okay, now I have to know what that joke was. Say <laughs> <laughs> minority, minority Report. <laughs> yes, it's minor, Minority Report Misdemeanor Crime. Hi, welcome to my home. I have a lot of dollies. Uh, doilies? What are they called? Doilies. doilies? Yeah. Doilies. I have a lot of doilies and cats here. We don't have any doilies. Not anymore, because you guys got together. Oh, I threw them all out? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I, she didn't have the time to crochet. Crochet? Look, I don't do that shit. <laughs> actually, Natalie is going to be hosting a cross-stitch slash crochet party here in a few that days. That actually sounds so, really fun. Yeah. I would go to that. I have been told that I can either leave or serve wine. Come to my pool. I actually was thinking about that. So, like, And I built it on a slope accidentally, so now there's a deep end <laughs> and shallow end. <laughs> I love that, Mikey. I know you live here, but you can either leave... Or give us wine. Yeah. I mean, I, I have no problem with like giving them the house because it's <laughs> no, I yeah, it's not shit I want to do anyway. And like although crocheting, very fun, very relaxing. Yeah. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. So yeah, Mikey, I'm gonna come to the deep end of your pool. Come come for it. Get the projector out and watch Time Cop. Oh my god, it's the perfect day. <laughs> I'm mad I can't be there. I fe- okay, so the pool was almost full of water last night, and I like FaceTime my family. 
And I was like, look at my pool. I was like, okay, I think it's tall enough where Macy won't get in. And I let her out and we're like, okay, cool. She sees it. She's not doing it. And it's like, she just sprints full speed and like dives over <laughs> into the pool. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh no. And then this morning she like whined to go out. Yeah, because she wanted to go swimming, Mikey. Did you not think that she was going to go in the pool? I thought that was part of why you bought a pool. I thought it was almost too high for her. I was going to get her like a splash pad. Oh, okay. So this morning she tries to trick me. So she's like whining in her like room. She's like, uh, uh. she's like, gotta go out. So we go out together because I'm like, I'm not gonna let you swim unsupervised. And so she just sits by the pool and keeps like motioning to it with her head. And I'm like, <laughs> no, you can't swim. And she lays down and starts whining. And I was like, no, just pee and come back inside. Did she swim? No, she listens. Sometimes. The way she can clearly communicate makes me know that she's doing some of this stuff to me on purpose, and it makes me so angry. Like, if you could just watch her communicate that she wants to go swimming, it's literally just like a person being like, I want to go swimming. Yeah. And I'm like, no. And she's like, I'm going to tear your shit up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to eat all your socks. Yeah. Is it rough living with a dog that clearly sees themselves as the alpha of the house? It's almost as bad as five cats. <laughs> which cat which cat is the alpha though? Is it Peaches? Peaches definitely marks her territory all over the house. So yeah, she's the one that does that. Aww. Although I love Peaches. She's adorable. Like I was playing uh, my PlayStation 5 yesterday a little bit, and she's the one that like put her paw on the, the controller. <laughs> it's and my was, turn, like, bitch. Stop playing. Yeah, it was so cute. I took a picture of it and put it on my stories because it was very funny. But do you guys want to get back to talking about Poltergeist? <laughs> sure. Anyway, so she's like, the kittens want to come with me, and her mom's like, fat chance. Psychic bitch. I think she even blames the dog. She's like, I don't think Ebuzz will like it because it's not used to having more pets. Yeah. How would you feel if I brought home an extra baby? And and then Carrie Ann is just like, that would be awesome. I want a little brother or sister. Take the focus off me for a bit. Because my older one disappeared. Am I correct, Paige, that she was murdered in between the movies? Fuck, that's so sad. Oh, well, now I feel, I didn't know, I know that. I feel weird. Mikey, I talked about it earlier. God, I literally said, you said it earlier. You said she died. People died for lots of reasons. No, he said he said murder. I may have said died. I honestly can't remember, but. He did not say murder. I think it was like her ex-boyfriend that murdered her or something her, like that. Her like, boyfriend murdered her and then disappeared. God. Like, never to be seen again. Wait, they never found him? No, I think they caught him eventually, but it took, okay. like, years. Jesus, Um, okay. Yeah, I vaguely remember that from the first uh, Poltergeist episode, which again was like three and a half, four years ago at this point. Anyway, so they're not going to buy the kittens, but there's a creepy old man following her and he's fucking terrifying yeah he's a cult leader that's super obsessed with a seven-year-old that's why i was like oh he's warren jeffs like that makes sense yeah no he's like a a ghost yeah sometimes he's like corporeal and can like be there in the physical space and sometimes people could just walk through him in that one scene so i was like what is like what exactly is this old guy he's fetty krueger's grandfather what do you want to explain yourself yeah please elaborate well you see the krueger family came West, you know, but his, the, the, the patriarch was a cult leader and they left some of the kids in the last town on the Oregon Trail. The patriarchals aren't till the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> the final battle basically looks like some batshit insane Nightmare on Elm Street ending scene where they're in the dream realm. Yeah, it sort of does. It looks like the end of never ending story is what it looks like, which is real strange. Anyway, her mom realizes Carol Ann's gone, goes looking for her, finds her with the old man who's like singing with her. And it's just like, oh, thank you. And he's like, she's a beautiful child. And then Diane's like, great, thanks. And I'm like, no, 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 Mm-mm. Yeah. Everything is terrifying about this man. Yeah. Anyway, we cut back to the house. 
where Diane and her mom are having a conversation about uh, Carol Ann being clairvoyant. Well, yeah, this is where she's saying that her hands can see color or whatever. Right. And Diane's just like, I don't want her to be gifted. I want her to be normal. And you're just like, okay, all right. Which is extra weird when we find out that Diane is clairvoyant later, which was never in the first movie. Well, I don't even think Diane knows it until later in the one scene where she becomes clairvoyant. Like it it is purely like plot driven clairvoyance. And that is sort of annoying to me in this movie. It's real strange. Yeah. We cut to later that night where she's asleep in Diane and Craig T. Nelson's bed. Yeah. And uh, Carol Ann is, not the grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) That would be hilarious. But no, it is Carol Ann, yeah. Uh, And she gets up, goes into her grandmother's room, kisses her goodnight, and then goes to her room that she shares with Robbie where her toy phone rings. She answers it. And she says, yes, I'll be good. I love you too. Good night, Grandma. And then hangs up the phone. The next morning, we reveal that Grandma died. Yeah. So that was definitely her ghost on the phone. And Carol Ann knew. Oh, yeah. Every time someone picks up that phone, I was like, hello, Fisher Price? Like, every time. <laughs> <laughs> Is this Mr. Fisher Price? <laughs> Mr. Price? Yeah, it was so funny to me. I don't know why. It drove Natalie crazy. She hated it. We have an offer for your Fisher Price warranty for your the red car with the yellow roof. <laughs> <laughs> See, here's what I I would love is if Mr. Fisher Price, the voice of Fisher Price, was Vincent Price. Your grandmother is dead, dear. Your telephone speaks to the beyond. <laughs> anyway, we cut to Diane gathering roses in the yard from her mom's roses, and she has kind of like a moment of like she feels her mom's spirit there. Well, and she like remembers when they planted those rose bushes that in truth are not in the yard anywhere. I guarantee you there are like two PAs under that shot holding rose flowers that they bought at like Kroger or Ralph's or whatever. <laughs> Just cutting yes. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you never see like a wide shot with her at rose bushes. You see a wide shot with her and there are plants low to the ground, but there are no yeah, rose bushes. There, there are many, many wide shots of that backyard. None yeah. of them include roses. Yeah. I was like, this is like all made up on the spot. (laughs) And I loved that aspect of it. But it's also like one of the reasons this movie is not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so she time cops back to when she Hmm. planted those roses. Right. And feels like she kind of feels her mom's spirit there. But then skeletons drag her through the lawn where they're just like drought friendly plants. (laughs) Just (laughs) drag her down. I did think that was very funny. I was like, man, this is a rough HOA. They're like really getting after them. (laughs) Those roses are not permitted. (laughs) Your fence is too short. Like whatever it is. I thought they were just mandrake roots. (laughs) It's man and woman drake roots. The cult had multiple people in it. Anyway, so we cut inside uh, or I guess Carol Ann runs out as a ballerina on the lawn it kind of like wakes her up from the skeleton dream yeah and Carol Ann has like these two wings that she wants her mom to like put on the back of her ballerina dress so she can be a flying ballerina so she could be an angel oh so we cut to everyone's asleep and the toy phone isn't ringing but the, there's like a cloud over the house that gets bigger. Can I just say this? I love that fucking cloud because it's so dark outside and that cloud looks like it's middle of the day, but like they cropped <laughs> out just the cloud. I was like, that is not how a cloud looks at night at all. 
Well, and I think the way they did it is a green screen with like a fog machine over a glass panel. Yes. Because it's flat on the bottom. It is. And I was like, clouds aren't flat. Like, this is just weird. <laughs> they can be. Okay. I'm, I mean, like, I don't know if you know this page, but Mikey is a cloudologist. So he <laughs> has some formal training on cloudology. So, Mikey, in your experience, do clouds, pardon my phrasing, put them on the glass? <laughs> <laughs> if they want tips, they do, Paige. <laughs> anyway, there's a cloud over their house, and they basically have a thunderstorm over just their house. Yes. <laughs> Are you trying to do a sad Charlie Brown song? <laughs> yeah. All right. I mean, you almost had it. Like, that actually wasn't that off. Yeah. I tried. I do love that it doesn't, like, the phone doesn't ring, Paige. It's when the drips hit it. It, like, plays right. the, the ding sound of the phone. Mm -hmm. And then Carol Ann picks up the phone and she's like, Mr. Price? <laughs> you. <laughs> Dead Grandma, I asked you to stop calling while I'm asleep. <laughs> we broke up. Uh, anyway, so, with life. She oh, broke up She with broke up life. with life. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, she answers it thinking that it's Grandma and is like, do you have wings? now my costume does and then she just goes wait who are you because it's not her grandma right and then all their toys come to life and they're like we want the angel and there's like a portal in the ceiling yeah lots of screaming like an earthquake on, around the house the parents wake up and run to the kids room both kids seemingly are gone, but they're just hiding. Yeah. And the parents immediately are like, get the fuck out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what you should do. Like, I did not disagree with that at all. No. Like, I do think that this is like a realistic toy story. Like if you saw your toys come to life and shit, like you would be like, we have to leave. This is not something that we can be a part of. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. And as they're running out the house, they run into Taylor. Yeah. And they're like, who the hell are you? And he's like, Taylor. No other explanation. And they're like, good name, but we're going to leave. My name's Taylor. Tangerine sent me. <laughs> yeah, Tangerine sent me. <laughs> Orange, you glad I'm here? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. But Craig T. Nelson is like, no, I don't trust you. I'd like to talk to you about your car. That's a nice station wagon you have there. Yeah. I was driving by and I thought of this very elaborate plan to steal your $8 station <laughs> steal wagon. Your station wagon? <laughs> they go to a diner and... Well, it's sentimental. Taylor lost his virginity in that station wagon. What? <laughs> what? It's the only motivation he'd have for getting it back. His lost love. <laughs> so he bought that station wagon when it was new. He fell in love with his like wife and they had sex in that station wagon. They made love. She's dead yeah. now because they were climbing up that ch chimney rock and she slipped. <laughs> so he goes on a journey to get the car back. Yeah. Just so we can have some semblance of his wife who ironically was also named Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they talked to each other they just said that they were tailor-made for each other face <laughs> <laughs> hates us i know i made my sucking vacuum pun earlier but i'm honestly just picturing taylor holding taylor while they're climbing up the rock it's like cliffhanger when they drop her or whatever oh yeah and then she falls to her death yeah and that's when the older uh native american says she didn't have the heart to tell you, but she was pregnant. Oh, that's what they were talking about at the top there at the beginning? And then he's like, I've got to go get that car. Snowball me a ghost. <laughs> <laughs>
All of this is in that lost fort. Yeah, that's that 40 minutes they lost the cut, page. Yeah, this is all stuff that's in the tangerine cut. Anyway, they're at an all-night diner, and they're kind of trying to talk about what they're going to do. Dude, this diner's insane. There's a guy asleep in a booth that's in the back corner. Uh-huh. There's a lady with curlers in her hair, and we'll see her more Love in a it. second. Like, it's wild. Been there. She's just living her truth. I know. You were there last night at Denny's after your fancy <laughs> a gallery opening. I was in full makeup dressed eating mozzarella sticks that's the best way to eat mozzarella sticks yeah i want my mozzarella sticks to know i'm fancy yeah that or to put chew in your mouth like walrus walrus. yeah you you actually i don't know if it's on the podcast but we've had this conversation and i have Mm -hmm. done that but i learned it from you i learned it from watching you you, Paige. i learned it from watching you (laughs) fucking cheese feed (laughs) no shame anyway they're at an all-night diner And at the counter are a mother and daughter. And the daughter's the one in the curlers. Yeah. And she comes over to their table and like drops her coffee mug, goes kind of catatonic and then speaks in the grandmother's voice. That's like, you can't run from this thing. It made contact. It'll stop at nothing. Like you have to stay together, be loving, be brave. And then she snaps back out of it and wanders away just like, huh? (laughs) Like what happened? Well, I did sort of think we needed this because in the first poltergeist, it's the house that's haunted. And we did need something that establishes that it's not the house anymore. It is like them or Carrie Ann or whatever that is, you know, the subject of Warren Jeff's affection or whatever, the the cane or whatever. Well, and they almost went there of like, like she went through those dimensions and it changed her and then like they are interested in her now or something and that would have been an interesting story or if they were like because Carrie Ann and, and your wife went through the portal and came back they think that there is a way to leave where they are and come back into this realm and they need Carrie Ann to do that or whatever something like that like give them a motivation for wanting to do what they're doing because I do feel like that's sort of missing in this movie listen up we have to take a trip. <laughs> we're about to get schooled, Mikey. We're we're about to go back to episode 123, Conjuring 2. That was your first episode, and it was a very happy day for the Horror Virgin family. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, as we may remember from that episode, right. general poltergeist thought is that the poltergeist is attached to a person, specifically a child in the family, not the house. Yeah. Uh, specifically around the time of puberty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I remember you telling us this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so technically the first movie, if we were to be accurate, it is attached to Carol Ann even in that movie. And and it kind yeah. of is. It's attached to her energy, okay. which is kind of how poltergeists work if you believe in that sort of thing. So to be honest, in that sense... This depiction of poltergeist activity is more accurate to traditional poltergeist thought. I know that's a weird thing to say because many people may not believe that poltergeists are real, Todd included. But for people who believe in poltergeists, that is kind of a thing. I mean, my whole thing on poltergeists is just like all the other scary shit. Like, it's not real. Until it is. And then I'm running away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a good philosophy. Oh, I meant to tell you guys this while I was watching the movie. I remember how I messaged you guys in our group chat and was like, I have a bonkers take about this movie. Yes. Yes. What is it? That Craig T. Nelson killed his mother-in-law. Because the wife is like really getting on Craig T. Nelson about how they need their own house or whatever. And then literally like five minutes later, the grandmother dies and they inherit that house. If you want to go with Craig T. Nelson being possessed for this movie, Shining style, you could. You just get the Shining. Yeah. Which we already did. And it's way better than this. Yeah. He was possessed for a minute. He was full of a he was full of a bone slug. (laughs) 
Maybe he had a snowball his ghost out onto that bone slug, and then it was. I don't understand why you guys are making those faces. Just thinking about having a bone slug in my mouth. My gag reflex is way too bad. I could never do that. I mean, like when you love someone and they want you to suck on their bone slug. <laughs> so I'm just, I can't. I can't call it a bone slug. That's just ruining it for me. Well, I mean, you just got to put on some good music. Bone slugs and harmony. (laughs) (laughs) Pages up. She is walking out of the room. She is clapping. Oh, no. She's just giving you a standing ovation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Get in the mood and just get on it. Holy shit. I'll meet you at the crossbone. (laughs) Anyway, so they're leaving the restaurant and Diane is like, it sounded just like grandma and they're walking past the fakest backdrop I've ever seen. <laughs> yes. I was like, why did they green screen this parking lot? <laughs> I don't even think it's green screen. I think no, it's a fake a back background. Yeah. It's on a back lot. But I was like, that's at with, least like, six fake cars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. I was just like, what the fuck? Like, why not just have this scene take place somewhere else? <laughs> Like, why did you set this up like this? Anyway, Taylor's in the parking lot and he's just like, hey, she told you the truth. And they're like, are you in cahoots? And he says, I cahoot with no one. (laughs) Which honestly is the best way to answer that. If someone says best line of the movie. Are you in cahoots? I cahoot with no one. I cahoot with no man. Oh, man. And the whole time, Craig T. Nelson's like, we don't want any help. But I'm like, hey, asshole, you have no other options. Just take some damn help. Like, yeah. He's the dumbest dad. Oh, yeah. Craig T. Nelson is very dumb in this movie. Yeah. I do like how, I don't know, probably a third of this movie, he's shirtless. Just like all dads in the 80s. Unless you count the hair shirt he was wearing (laughs) under his regular shirt. (laughs) He is a rather hairy gentleman, yes. But only in the shape of a t-shirt, which I found very confusing. He has a, what do they call it? It's like a farmer's tan, but instead of it being a tan, it's like a farmer's hair shirt. Yeah, it's it's like (laughs) a farmer's hair shirt. Yeah. Anyway, they agree to hear him out. And he comes back to their car and he's like, your car is very angry. I'll fix it and make it happy. Again, just part of his ploy to get a new car. I honestly thought he was going to fuck the car. Like, I don't know <laughs> what he planned on doing. Although later in that scene, like you see him sprinkle like stuff out of his medicine he's shaking bag. shaking his medicine it. bag. Yeah. Like what? what is happening? You need a mechanic. You don't need a medicine bag. <laughs> That's just because you are not in touch with nature and your car's inner spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how cars are very in tune with nature, right, Mikey? Yeah, I've seen the movie Cars. (laughs) Yeah, look, he's like, look, I made love to another tailor in that car. And in this medicine bag... Is the ghost that that they snowballed into my mouth. I've got to snowball a ghost to you. I've got to snowball a ghost into the exhaust of that car. Okay, but could you just maybe, like, maybe an oil change? (laughs) (laughs) Like a tire rotation, maybe a tune-up? No, I'm going to shake <laughs> my medicine up. bag at your car. Well, and then he's just like wandering around their backyard and at one point just sits down and has like butterflies surrounding him and the kids oh, inside my, are that, like, that, So Whoa! that was what I was like. <laughs> Painfully racist. Yeah. So he sets up a tent on their lawn and he's staying on their lawn and he's like painting her son like face paint because everything in about this movie is a stereotype it's it's real terrible yeah and then the mom is like how dare you paint my child and i'm like what are you talking about he paints spider-man on there 
I did want to see like a line of children. Like she takes like her son out, and then there's like a little girl that walks in and says, "I want a butterfly on my face," <laughs> and then he just like starts to do a butterfly. He's like, "This is my side hustle. You're not paying me to yeah. get rid of your ghosts. I have to make money somehow." I've been fixing your car for months, yeah. and you haven't paid me anything, so I need to make money somehow. Yeah, cheap white devils. <laughs> uh, anyway, so. He gives her this lecture of like children have fought wars and built nations. You have to treat them like adults. And I'm like, this is a very strange conversation in the middle of this movie. Uh, But then the car comes home extra angry. I don't know why the car's spirit is unsettled, but okay. Because it's black metal heart is very sad, Paige. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Different kind of black metal, Paige. Different kind of black metal. Anyway, meanwhile, the terrifying old man walks by the house and sees Carol Ann and just like walks straight up the driveway. And thankfully they were, they got Carol Ann, Robbie and Diane in the house. And he just comes up to the door where Craig T. Nelson is there. Well, I mean, he talks to them out in front on their porch and then, all the kids go inside and so does the wife and then Craig T. Nelson goes inside too and like has the screen in between them as they're having this conversation. Yeah. And he puts Craig T. Nelson in some sort of trance for a second. Well, he's trying to get Craig T. Nelson to let him in the house. Yes. And I'm like, if any stranger is this insistent on coming into your house, they're either a vampire or a fucking Mormon. Either way, you should <laughs> fucking run. <laughs> well, I mean, Warren Jeffs, I feel like that holds up in the metaphor that I thought I was seeing in this movie. Yeah. Warren Jeffs was a vampire. Yeah. We know this. He preyed on young girls and stole their youth. Technically, he was FLDS, not actual Ooh. Mormon. He was fundamentalist Mormon, which is, which are two different things. I get that. But still, they're vampires. Yeah. Yeah, they're vampires. He's still in jail, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. I just looked it up. He got life plus 20 years. Yeah, he's never getting out. But yeah, if anyone's ever that insistent on coming into your house, they've got Mike's Hard Lemonade and bad intentions. <laughs> if they're that insistent on coming into your house, you better have someone outside dressed as a bush ready to tackle to them. To tackle them. <laughs> yeah. Ready to tackle yeah. them. Absolutely. And a film crew, just like. If they're that obsessed with your daughter, Chris Hansen better be on the property. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Have a seat right over there. <laughs> so you messaged Carol Ann that you wanted to steal her soul. What did you mean by that? When you called that Fisher Price phone, you weren't talking to Carol Ann. You were talking <laughs> to a paid actress. You were talking to Agent Swanson. <laughs> oh, I love this. Anyway, while he's talking to Craig T. Nelson, upstairs, Diane has a flashback to him in the cavern. Yeah. So this is kind of her first clairvoyance, but she doesn't tell anybody about it. Let's talk about her flashback because she's like shaking violently and like making... She's like, oh, oh, and then like flash. And I was like, I'm sorry, Mikey, what was that? She does some weird stuff having this flashback. I don't know if you know, but when you time cop, it's incredibly aroused. Yeah. <laughs> it's the vibrations. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of space time, Paige. Yeah, it's the vibrations of space time and the sweet, dulcet tones of JCVD's bizarre accent. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. She doesn't tell anybody about her flashbacks, which is not useful. Like, we as the audience know, but, like, nobody in her family does. Yeah. Craig T. Nelson does not let him in the house. Thank goodness. Yeah. And so he kind of wanders away, and Taylor comes up, and he's like, good job. And he's like, uh. And he's like, he was testing your power. He gives him a feather, Paige. He's like, you just won your first battle. I was like, what? On the path of the warrior. Yeah. What? (laughs) 
Like, what? were we supposed to know that that's what was happening and also that Craig T. Nelson is on the path of a warrior? Like, all of this is brand new information and it's being positioned like we should have known the whole time. Yeah, and so we cut to later that night where he's talking to Taylor in the backyard while literally drinking a handle of tequila. Oh, yeah. And offers them to Taylor and Taylor's like, no, I had to give it up because of bad dreams. And then gives him kind of, he gives Craig T. Nelson kind of a lecture of like, you have to be responsible for like your family and whatever. Like you feel like a leaf in the wind and it's just rambling and doesn't really connect to the story. (laughs) And he, he kind of like gives him a little, this is where he's like, you have to assume responsibility. And he's like, for what? For everything in your world. What? Everything. Everything. We cut into the house where Robbie is uh, supposed to be cleaning his braces, which did you notice that Robbie like, moved his braces with his teeth i was like that's not how braces work yeah i was like the braces are stuck to those things yeah if you have a loose bracket you should go in and see your orthodontist yeah absolutely but as he's trying to clean his braces they sprout the weirdest paper clip collage sculpture <laughs> and take over his head i get freaked out by teeth so like this scene kind of got me a little bit. i was like Ugh. well what was really funny was taylor protects carol ann is just like you guys handle the wire sculpture (laughs) they're just like they don't know what to do they get electrocuted a couple times because the braces like touch the plugs yeah so like the braces literally pull the sun up into the corner of the room Craig T. Nelson runs in and like starts fighting with the wires and then he gets his arm and the wife gets in and starts to try and help too. But the braces, like the wires are trying to like electrocute them in the wall. So they're like reaching out towards the plug and the wife comes in and tries to pull it away. But once they do hit the plug, they then dissolve. It was so wild. That's the kind of thing that happens in the wire. Like also in this scene, Stringer Bell becomes a doctor. (laughs) And gets on a flight with Kate Winslet. (laughs) (laughs) Where they crash on a mountain. But it was just insane. I do love that this whole time, Taylor and Carrie Ann or Carol Ann or whatever her name is. Carol Ann. Are just sitting in that recliner, just like watching it all happen. (laughs) Love it. Let us know if you need help. (laughs) And by the way, I'm not going to help. I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. And then when you accuse me of not helping, I'm going to say I was protecting Carrie Ann or Carol Ann. Carol Ann. Whatever. Anyway, there's like a portal in the ceiling. It's crazy, but they eventually get Robbie free. They end up all sleeping in the living room. When Craig T. Nelson comes down and like starts to yell at Taylor for not helping and then sits down in the other love seat and then gets ejected out of that love seat. (laughs) For no reason. It's never explained. He's like talking to the house at that point. It sort of is explained because as he's ejected, like he just sat on a airbag from a car, the ghost of Kane comes out and says something, I think, and then dissipates. It's wild. Chicken fingers, 99 cents, bye! (laughs) (laughs) My cane sauce is unparalleled! But under Underneath that graveyard was a cult, and underneath that cult is delicious chicken. And here's my one of my favorite things about raising canes: they let you order extra cane sauces for like whatever you want. You're gonna want a snowball cane sauce into all cane sauce into all your friends' mouths. They also call it baby birding. Oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) Paige is taking her headphones off and looks very sad right now. So upsetting. Uh, Anyway. So they all fall asleep in the living room and it looks like there's like a wind blowing, but it's just Taylor walking through the room with his medicine bag. And he says to, I believe it's Craig T. Nelson. He's still here. He feels like she belongs to him. I'm not sure why, but he's used to getting what he wants. And he tells him that he was a man who was 
potentially clairvoyant, but now he's filled with a demon and he exists on a plane of existence where dead people go, where they don't understand it, that they're not still alive in our world, basically. And his soul remains evil and he refuses to pass on. And he's like, how are we going to fight this thing? And he's like, he's going to try and pull the family apart. So you need to stay together and we're going to figure out what he wants. So they go to the desert the next day. Meanwhile, back at the house, they're being like punked kind of where it's like there's a knock at the door. It seems like there's no one there. There's a knock at the door again. She opens the door. It's Tangerine. It turns out Tangerine just wasn't tall enough to be seen through the peephole. (laughs) What a joke. What a joke. Accurate. Yeah. So Tangerine is like, I know you've been clairvoyant the whole time. And she's like, gasp. How did you know, Jack Daniels? Uh, (laughs) I can only be clairvoyant when I drink. (laughs) Yep. So I can see myself in your pants because they're mirror pants. That's drunk clairvoyant. Oh, man. Clairvoyant is the worst. I just time copped (laughs) to 20 minutes from now. You're welcome. (laughs) Anyway, Tangerine tells her about the cult leader and potentially that they're buried under that pool. Yeah. And this is where she mentions that the rumor was that they, they were massacred by indigenous people. We will find out that that is not the case. I mean, yeah, we find out later that it, like the cult leader just like locked them all down there. Yeah. Yeah. As cult leaders do. Yeah. We cut to uh, essentially what is a sweat lodge and uh, a ton of Native American stereotypes that cause him to snowball a ghost and then to smoke Craig T. Nelson out and to be like, now we have all the answers. I need to go to Cuesta Verde. You need to go back to your family. We don't have a plan. We don't have an explanation (laughs) or anything. Uh, But we cut back to the house where Diana is like, here's what happened. The cult trapped themselves in the cavern for Doomsday and Doomsday never came and they starved to death. Well, yes, Superman killed him. (laughs) I don't think that's how it worked, Mikey. Wrong kind of Doomsday. Right. Anyway, but they she also finds out that like when you brought Carol Ann back. So when Carol Ann went through the portal in the first movie, they like sensed her presence. So when they snatched her back, now they're like chasing that essence, if that makes sense. Yeah. So at that point, Craig T. Nelson comes home. Taylor goes to Cuesta Verde. But Craig T. Nelson comes home and proceeds to drink a whole handle of tequila, basically, including the worm at the bottom that has like a little eyeball. So clearly it's an evil worm. I actually did really like that effect when it like zooms in on the worm and it opens its Mm -hmm. eye. I was like, oh, I'm here for this. But we cut to Carol Ann and and Diane taking a bath with Carol Ann's doll. And Carol Ann is like, I know why they're here. They don't know where else to go. And we get a shot of outside of a bunch of ghosts on the front lawn. But then that never pays off anywhere ever again, because we're only ever fighting that one guy, basically. Yeah. But now that Craig T. Nelson has swallowed the evil worm, he's evil Craig T. Nelson now, and he's terrifying. I mean, yes, he is terrifying. He even has like, he looks like a little flush. Like he's a little pale on his skin. He's pale and gaunt. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he is pretty much, it's the exact same energy as the scene before when he was like talking to his wife about being a vacuum salesman and about his ex-girlfriend and his ex-girlfriend's titties. Like it's that same sort of energy except a little bit more like domestic abusive-y. Yeah, he's very touchy and keeps like holding and like, like crush hugging people. It's real weird. But then on top of that, he proceeds to almost sexually assault Diane. Yeah. Like, that's clearly what's happening in this scene. Well, he hasn't gotten laid in like 300 years. <laughs> that doesn't 
doesn't make it okay, but I'm yes. Not, I'm not justifying it. <laughs> he just wants to snowball his ghost into her mouth. No, stop. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, I think, Mikey, you're onto something. Because I got the impression that it was, like, the pastor. It was Kane, yeah. Oh, it was Kane. You can tell he's like, you got blueies? And he's got that big smile. Yeah. Ugh. He's like, you want the Kane sauce? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but he, she is she is attempting to fight him off. She does say no repeatedly, and he keeps going. Yeah. But then he starts gagging, and it's like real Craig T. Nelson comes through, and he kind of pulls away and like barfs up the worm but it's like a giant bone worm a bone slug it's real gross and he like passes out it is a bone slug in harmony yes yeah and and <laughs> it goes full the thing like he gave mouth birth to a zombie tadpole like it's real gross it is super gross yeah and it crawls away and as it crawls away we see that it's like a portion of a torso like it's a person crawling away well yeah and that, that person like that is an actor like they give it yes. a name in the credits yeah. and i assume it is just someone who you know uh so the actor uh, is missing both legs yeah. and a portion of one of their arms okay and so that's how they're able to do that makeup yeah that makes sense it is very effective and very creepy very creepy and it grows into like a thing level monster where it's kind of big and crazy and yeah tentacles and like weirdness and he snowballs a ghost out which kind of like kills the monster and portals it back to wherever but then they're like they can't find the kids yeah uh they do eventually find robbie downstairs and caroline hiding in the car uh, but she doesn't trust Craig T. Nelson, understandably. But they manage to get everyone in the car, including E-Buzz. But then everything in the garage comes after them. Wrenches, chains, chainsaw. And it's trying to chainsaw through the car. It does. Like, you see it chainsaw, yeah. in, like, through the hood. And, like, Craig T. Nelson's trying to start the car. There's a chainsaw yeah. through the hood next to his face. And he's just like, why won't this car fucking start? Like, he is not at all concerned about the chainsaw <laughs> inches from his face. And that drove me insane. I'm going to burn a fun fact here. Please do, Paige. This movie was originally supposed to be in 3D. That is ah, so that obvious in this scene. Because the chainsaw does sort of float with blade right towards yeah. the camera yeah that makes sense okay and and i'll talk about it in fun facts but essentially the studio was making a bunch of other 3d movies at the time and they didn't do well so they scrapped 3d for this but left those scenes in that makes sense anyway they finally get the car out of the garage uh and they try to drive away but they end up driving back over the lawn which is crazy yeah where he like backs out of the driveway and then drives up out over the lawn and then back out of the driveway and i'm yeah. like i mean the, the grandma's dead it's their house they can do whatever they want now yeah, that's true because correct nelson killed his, his mother-in-law <laughs> killed his mother-in-law for that house yeah absolutely they go to cuesta verde together as a family they pull up to the pool tangerines there they climb down and diane is kind of like reacting to the visions she's had before yeah but the second they get down there, Diane and Caroline get portaled out. And Taylor's like, they crossed over because he has already like opened another fire portal just like kind of right next to them, basically, in the cavern. Yeah. Craig T. Nelson and Robbie jump through the fire into another portal. Yeah. And it's, it kind of plays it as if Taylor is watching them through the fire. But it's like the worst green screen ever where they're just floating through a sunset sky. None of this made any sense either. Like everyone's floating no. for no reason. The monsters are floating. 
Taylor can throw the lance through the fire to them. Like it's it's so yeah. 80s <laughs> crazy. Cuz the monster tries to snatch Carol Ann and it seems like she dies. Like she shrivels up Emotep style. Yeah, I thought so too for a second. I was like, "Oh wow." Yeah, it would have been real great if in the third one she was evil because <sighs> of the monster. Except she couldn't be because, unfortunately, she also passed away. We'll talk about it. In what? what? Are you serious? I told you. This franchise is cursed. Yes. So Taylor throws the spear into the fire. They use it. It releases Carol Ann, and she seems to have died and gone to heaven, but her grandma brings her back. Yeah. Like her grandmother as an angel. Right. But they all come back through the portal and climb out of the dig site because this it's over and he's like some battle huh and i'm like what battle <laughs> there was no battle yeah the battle was you throwing a lance at a demon right yeah they come out and taylor's like you know i kind of like this car and they're like and he said oh he says the car says it wants to come home with me and they're like well if the car says so uh and he drives away but then they're like wait we need a ride home and it's like credits to them yeah, chasing and they chase after the, the car, car. The only thing I'm ever going to do when car shopping is go to every salesman and say, this car told me it wants to come home with me. And if they say, no, I'm going to go to the next salesman and try it again. Mm-hmm. Try it with ladies. Lady salesmen or lady cars? I'm confused on what you're saying. Both. Like, that lady told me she wanted to come home with me. Your boobs said they wanted to come home with me. Oh, I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> like I mean, the cats. Your kitties were talking to me clairvoyantly, telling me they want to come home with me. <laughs> Hey, girly, your sweater kitties want to come home with me. (laughs) (laughs) This is horrible. This was a horrible take, Mikey. I blame you. And that's that's the movie. movie. But Taylor got his car, so it's fine. Yeah, Taylor finally pulled off his long con. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what do you guys think about Poltergeist 2? Poltergeist. Objectively, it's one of the worst movies we've done in a while. Yes, it is. Like, redeeming factor wise there's not any no i agree i don't feel like this movie is worth watching honestly which is surprising because the first poltergeist i remember being like pretty good for like an 80s movie you know this one not so much what other movies have terrible terrible sequels that are like this bad with like original cast godfather three we did talk about this the other we day. Did, yeah, we did talk about that. Yeah, but no, I don't think this movie is worth watching, honestly. No. Yeah, which is sad. I like Craig T. Nelson a lot. I don't care for him in this movie. I don't really care for anyone in this movie. Yeah. I honestly sort of feel embarrassed for everyone in it. Yeah. yeah. So, Paige, do you have any fun facts for us? I do. Hit us with those fun facts. Super cursed fun facts. Probably depressing. Probably. Well, we've, I, I'm hoping we've already gotten through the depressing fun facts. Oh, Paige's face leads into believe we have not. All right. So I think first and foremost, we got to dig into the curse. Yes. So there's supposedly a poltergeist curse surrounding the first three films in the series. Dominique Dune, who was in the first movie, uh, was unfortunately murdered by her abusive ex-boyfriend after finishing the first film. Yeah. That's why she is not in this one. Uh, Julian Beck, the actor who played Kane, actually had stomach cancer during the filming of this movie. And... uh, died during the shooting of the movie that's also part of the reason why some of the fight scenes are cut down and why it's like a monster at the end he doesn't really appear much they had to adr a bunch of his dialogue later but they were able to actually make it sound so much like his voice you almost don't notice that's amazing that that guy died during filming that explains why he doesn't show up at the end yeah okay yeah And that's also why he's so gaunt, because he was already very sick at the time. Crazy. Okay. Will Sampson, who played Taylor, 
died from complications due, due to open heart surgery shortly after the movie was done filming. What? Heather O'Rourke, who plays Carol Ann, dies of a mysterious case of intestinal stenosis before she completes the third film. So she films part of it. And she was 12 at the time. It was incredibly unusual. Jesus. Yeah. On top of that. So a lot of people blame their choice to use actual skeletons and cadavers because it was quote unquote cheaper, which is bonkers to me that it would be cheaper. But supposedly that is what happened. Okay. But... In that scene where real cadavers were used in place of props, an entire day's worth of film stock mysteriously came out black, unusable. What? It cost them about $100,000 and had to be completely reshot. They shot a whole day. The night before the reshoots, Will Sampson, who plays Taylor, who, uh, according to him uh, and others, was a shaman uh, in various religions he performed an exorcism on the set to try and get rid of evil spirits and ease the tension of the cast and crew who had started to believe already that the franchise was cursed uh in part because they had used real human remains in the first film as well yeah so they didn't learn their lesson essentially that's insane i i do remember that fun fact from the first uh episode too that's nuts that they would use real skeletons yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Now, originally, this film, the first cut was 131 minutes, cut down to 91, cutting out most of Tangerine's, or <laughs> Zelda Rubenstein is, is the actress's name. God, I want that Tangerine cut so bad. I know. She so was much. furious about it because most of her scenes are removed from the final cut, and she has been very, very vocal about it. Much like the first film and a rarity for horror films, there are no murders or violent fatalities depicted on screen. Oh, yeah, that's they true. They're alluded to, but they're never depicted. Yeah, and no one dies in this movie. Right. Well, I mean, of the main characters, I should say. Obviously, all the cult following dies. Yes. You know, all of that. But, like, yeah, none of the family dies. And, and on screen, you don't see really anyone die on screen. Right. Now, obviously, changes were made during filming. Uh, and some choices were made as to how to represent monsters and things in the movie. And they had hired someone very, very famous to design a lot of the monsters in the film. But was only it Geiger? Two make- it was Geiger. Oh, no. my God. Who had, who had just come off of Alien. I which know. Is That's so fucking crazy. terrifying. There's also, if you are in Los Angeles, there's a Geiger exhibition in October. Uh, oh, highly recommend um jake and i are gonna go but did he do the stuff in the first one too a little bit but not a ton okay he even for this he created several designs and they only take two and then he was very angry about how they shot his designs and how they were translated to film he felt like they didn't do them justice so he does not come back for anything else yeah, yeah they must not have because he is an amazing like creature designer and it just does yeah. not come across here I mean unless like this is something he scribbled on a cocktail napkin as a joke and threw away and they like went in the trash afterwards and picked it yeah. out and we're like we could do this like I just don't right. see I mean his stuff is normally so good it's yeah. so good and and I'm, I think the most famous is his work in the alien oh, franchise yeah, I, I think so which too is fucking terrifying like he does such a good job now in carol ann's bedroom there's a poster for et the movie et and it's a nod to the fact that drew barrymore had actually auditioned for the role of carol ann but then landed the role in et oh man did she get lucky 
Yeah, she did. And she's so good in E.T. She too. is so good. Yeah, I mean, she's been an amazing actress her whole life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heather O'Rourke, who plays Carol Ann, uh, before her death, kind of disowned this movie, saying that it was boring and not scary. I would Ooh. agree with that assessment, yeah. Um, and originally, Robbie, instead of braces... Uh, was going to be attacked by bees, but the actual actor had a fear of bees and refused to film the scene. Interesting. And that made for the scariest scene for Mikey. That's wild. There yeah. you go. Yeah. The character of Reverend Kane was based on Jim Jones. Because remember, this is the 80s, so Jim Jones had only happened literally less than a decade before. Yeah, it would have been sort of top of mind as far as cults go. Exactly. Yeah. And the God is in his holy temple song is a quote from Psalm 11. Okay. And those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. Let's talk some box office. So what do you think the production budget was for Poltergeist to the other side in 1986 when the movie premiered? I'm going to say 60 million because I bet it was overpriced and underdelivered. Okay. I'll say 15. Okay, Mikey, you're way closer. It was $10.7 million. <laughs> and if you adjust that for inflation, that's about $27 million today. Now, the mm -hmm. movie came out on May 23rd, 1996, and mm -hmm. it was number two the week it came out. The number one movie that week was also a movie that premiered that weekend, and it was Cobra. Yeah. Ooh. A movie that Sly Stallone says he wrote. Sean Claude Stallone. Actually, <laughs> Claude uh, Stallone. Sylvester Stallone has written a number of films. I don't think that Cobra is one of them, though. I, this There is like a, an ongoing debate about whether or not he wrote Cobra. He did write Rocky. He didn't write Cobra. There's a book, Cobra, right. that the movie Cobra is based on. And he wrote the script for the movie Cobra and then reached right. out to the guy who wrote the book Cobra and said, hey, will you change it? to where I'm the author for the book Cobra as well. And that guy was like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that's my favorite bit of Cobra lore, although I've never seen the movie. Number two was obviously Poltergeist 2, The Other Side. Number three was Top Gun. Number four was Short Circuit. And number five was a movie called Sweet Liberty. Also in the movies this weekend was uh, Police Academy 3, Pretty in Pink, uh, there's a there was a bunch of great movies out. '86 was like a great year for movies. Playing, playing with, with the, the ghosts. ghosts. <laughs> uh, so, what do you think Poltergeist made in its opening weekend? Number two. Uh, yeah, it was I'm number gonna two. say eight. Yeah, I'm gonna say ten. Okay, it made. $12.3 million in its opening weekend. Nice. Good for it. Yeah, it did very, very well. I don't have a breakdown of international to domestic, but I do have a total box office. Do you guys want to guess what the total box office was for Poltergeist 2? I'm going to go 70. Okay. It gets a sequel that's in the films. Yeah, that's true, but I'm going to go 32. Okay, so it made $121.7 million. Damn. And if you adjust for inflation, that's around $309 million today, which is Jeez. way more than this this movie is worth. And that's what happens when there's no internet. Yeah, that's true. That is what happens when there's no internet and people can't easily find out how bad movies are ahead of time. Yeah. So it did make a lot of money. I understand why they made a third. 
but I can't imagine they get better. Although, I mean, the third one might be way better than this because this one is pretty terrible. Well, this one is objectively racist. So, like, I would hope the next one's less racist. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll see in four years when we do Poltergeist 3, uh, the other, other side. Dream Warriors. (laughs) Dream Dream Warriors. I can't do it. My voice is gone. And that is your box office. So, Mikey, do you want to hit him with that scary scale? Yeah. That scary scale is a scale of 1 to 10 of how scary found the film. Probably not much this time, but our one example is Ghostbusters and our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Paige. This is a strong one for me. Todd. It's a one for me as well, Mikey. Mikey's just one as well. Then that's our scary scale. Speaking of Top Gun, Tom Skerritt, who was also in Top Gun, is in Poltergeist 3. I fucking love me some Tom Skerritt. Me too. So this week, you all made me watch Poltergeist 2, The Other Side. What are you guys making me watch next week? Next week, we are watching 1408, because even though it's not a house, we're going to count a hotel as as a haunted house. It's an extended stay hotel, because if you die there... You're there forever. forever, You never leave, yeah. You never leave. Mm -hmm. All right, well, I guess your homework for next week is to check into a hotel and never leave it while watching 1408. Yep. Well, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? I do. All right, well, whose review are you going to read this week? The long pause here makes me feel like you haven't picked one I I opened other ads, but I had to go back. (laughs) I'm going to read BWEE30... Bi- you can just say BWI. You don't have to try and sound it out. Bui is how you'd say that, though. Bui32. They say, a welcome break in my stressful days. Oh, why, thank you, Bui32. Uh, I don't know how I found the horror version, but what a welcome relief. Aw. I am a horror fanatic who, like Mikey, uses horror as an escape from the overwhelming and stressful aspects of my own job as a shelter vet. Oh, I bet that is a oh. sad, sad job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, where this podcast comes in is that I have started to t- take a walk and listen on my lunch breaks. Oh, oh that's great. great. Between doubling over in laughter and nodding in agreement, it has really been a great way of coping when I am crushed under all the work I have to do. I'm sure. Also, as a black mixed race woman who doesn't always feel acknowledged in spaces, thank you for the Candyman 2021 and Get Out episodes. I felt that you were all very respectful and appreciative of the themes of these movies, and it was a relief to listen to content that was inclusive in its rendering of my community. Much love, and please keep doing what you all you do. And I was, and I think that's a really touching review in a lot of ways. That is actually super sweet because I remember being very worried before those episodes came out. Like, did we do these justice? I mean, I'm sure there are things we could have done better, as always. But thank you so much for that great feedback, Bui32. We appreciate that awesome five star review. Mm-hmm. So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where my Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. Mikey is at MRandolph24 and I am at Todd J. Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to Patreon.com slash Horror Virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier Mm -hmm, than the regular mm -hmm. feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys, check out the Patreon and help support the show. If you want to financially support me but not Todd, just look me up on Venmo. If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable, that's fine, but if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horror virgin. We also link it like 
once a week. So just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. Literally, we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, guys. Check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. This episode was brought to you by ooh, Nick, Nick B. B. Nick B. Fun fact. Oh, yeah. We moved his gravestone, but not his grave. <laughs> and underneath his grave is Raising Cane's Chicken. There I knew you go. It. 15 new locations under various burial plots. I knew it. That sounds Facts. delicious, honestly. This episode also brought to you by Tia, and Tia's teenager is driving her crazy. So, how is Tia's teenager driving her crazy this week? <laughs> She's been on the phone all night and drove those Fisher Pikes, those Fisher Price bills way through the roof. Yes. <laughs> this episode also brought to you by the number Jeff. And Jeff wants you to check out his podcast, Kissing Jessica Jones, where each week they break down a new episode of the Jessica Jones, Agent Carter, and WandaVision. So if you need a breakdown show of any of those shows, check out Kissing Jessica Jones. All right, and this episode also brought to you by Jonathan, and Jonathan wants you guys to watch some spooky spider videos, so I am going to show you a spooky spider video. You guys ready? Yes. Let me share the screen. Boop, boop, be-doop. Boom, boom. Can you guys see it? Yes. see it. All right. That looks like a fake spider. Does it? It looks big as shit. If that spider was in my car, I'd just like get a bug bomb and throw it in my car and just be done with it. Oh, i just get a new car. <laughs> yeah. Good lord, oh, that is huge. So much, so many webs. Yeah, I didn't even know spiders like that made webs. That's why it looks fake. Is it fake? It looks fake. The spider hasn't moved. If the spider moves, I'm going to scream. The wheel is on the wrong side of the car, so this could be in Australia. So that might be real. Oh god. Okay, I can't. I can't. That is too big to be a spider. I hate this. <laughs> All right, spiders well, aren't allowed to be that big. No, they're terrifying. I hate spiders so much. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for that spooky spider video and the love and support. We appreciate it. We now return you to another episode of uh, The, the Patreonicals. Welcome back. Thank you, Mikey. I do feel welcome to be back. All right. Under the sea. That's where we are. Yes. Mm -hmm. Wes is continuing his quest to become a real person. He's a Voldemort-like, clayish person. <laughs> okay. And he... Had sex with a mer person last week. All and right, he is pregnant with mer babies. If you guys remember correctly, mm -hmm. right? I, I do vaguely remember. How could that. I forget yes. that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, what you guys didn't see is that Allie, the mermaid, Allie and Amber also had mermaid sex with Dreskel. Oh, that was off camera. Oh, yeah, okay. He he's also pregnant. So the episode starts with Dreskel, who is head of the Illuminati. With Chippendale in his brain, and Chippendale are pregnant with one mermaid baby each. I'm sorry, the Chippendale that are in his brain both are pregnant with a baby? Yes. Okay. And so he and King, what's his face from Little Mermaid? Triton. King Triton, Mikey. He's like, hey, pregnancy's really changed me. <laughs> okay. So uh, moon people gather gather around. So... Danielle and Aaron. Danielle is the moon queen, and she has been very depressed for many years on the Patreonicals due to the moon exploding. 
That checks out. Yeah. And Aaron, yeah, her sure. right hand mon person, was right there. And then uh, Dreskel's like, look, we do have about a thousand mon people here. To re- you could restart your population. I think I'm going to dedicate, during my pregnancy time, I'm going to be good, and we're going to remake the moon. They're going to rebuild the whole moon? Dang. Yeah. And he's like, here is Libby. And she is from the moon, and she is going to help do this. She has got a giant spaceship. She's an actually, I actually, she's a paid employee of the Illuminati. <laughs> she's on salary at the Illuminati Corp? Yeah. Okay. We have a giant spaceship in case we have to leave Earth. And um, I think there's a way to do it. I'm going to ask everyone to come with us. Okay. And he's like, also, I'm not asking. And so then. Uh, <laughs> okay. So Nathan and <laughs> Nathan is his like one right hand man. And then uh, he's like, this is Jeremy. He is like fucking Cyclops. He's got like laser eyes. What? And he's like one of our enforcers. So he starts laserizing around people and be like, get in the, you know, we got to get in the subs, get up here. We, we're in the middle of the ocean. We got to go to the space to, to build this thing. That makes sense. Yeah. And everybody's scared. And Isaac gets lasered and unconscious. Dave immediately gets split in two and dies. So they what? grab his two halves and put it on the Illuminati uh, submarine. Uh, Kate just agrees to go and was like, I really don't like you, but we need the mun back. We've all those people, poor people. Right. Uh, and Karun, um, he's like, can you rebuild the baby you took from me? And then. Wow. Dreskel hits him in the face and knocks him unconscious. Okay. Uh, and then Dreskel's like, Amy, I'm going to let you captain the big spaceship if you come with us. And she's like, well, I can't turn that down. No, because she's an astronaut, right? Yeah. Yeah, of course and not. And then uh, Scott and Wes. Wes usually just sits on his shoulders now because he's like a shriveled Voldemort creature. Right. So he went from being just his shoulder. To salacious crumb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And then they're, they're like, hey, can we talk about like what you can do to help us later? And he's like, yeah, if you come, you come and help. We'll do it. Uh, so they go do that. Uh, Danielle starts crying tears of joy and gets into the, the submarine. And then Dreskel goes to Shining Donut and Jennifer, who are... Still just going at it. Just hardcore going at it? Uh-huh. And he, he's like, Shining Donut, we're going to need your donut powers probably more than anyone else to to, to rebuild the moon. To make us whole. Like yeah. a donut hole. <laughs> and he's like, well, if you need me, I need Jennifer with a PH to go because she fills my donut with jelly of happiness. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. And then um, King Triton was like, I want to send my daughters, Amber and Allie, also, you're all pregnant with their babies, or you know, a good number of you, and I want to make sure they can go. So they're gonna go too. And then uh, all of a sudden, you hear this, Ooh! and like this guy just shows up, and he's like, "Y'all, I'm from Florida, and I just like <laughs> got here, and like, what the fuck?" And and then like they just he knocked. was in a boating accident off the coast of Florida, yeah. and then sunk to Atlantis. He's like. My name's Bo Easy, and I like to take it easy. How did I get to Atlantis? And they just like hit him and put him on that submarine and so they're all going to try to save the mun and that's the next storyline i guess we'll find out how they start saving the mun next week on another episode of uh, the, the patreonicals that's gonna be it for us you guys i'm Paige. i'm mikey and i'm your horror virgin todd keep it ooky spooky yeah have a great week bye, bye. i want my voice back nerds